Kilburn Wesleyan Methodist Church. My name's Ian. I'm the pastor of both churches, and um, my, well, my wife and I are pastoring both churches. And it's our pleasure to host you in our lounge room tonight. Uh, it's got a few thoughts about um, today. Today being the Pentecost Sunday in the Christian calendar. And uh, just a few thoughts I wanted to share with you. I know that uh, probably many of you have already uh, been to church today and uh, you've you know, been to church anywhere online and you've heard st uh, sermons and teaching about um, the, day of the day of Pentecost and uh, what it meant in uh, Acts chapter 2. Um, but I wanted to try and, uh, I guess, share what I felt the Lord laid on my heart this week to share with, with you all. And um, here it is. It has always been God's desire to fill people with his Holy Spirit. Always. Each and every person that you know is designed to be filled with his Holy Spirit. It's always been God's desire to fill people with his Holy Spirit. Because in, in creation, when God created the whole universe and he created the first human beings, Adam and Eve, they had a one-to-one -one relationship with God, a face-to-face -face relationship with God. It was perfect. It was untouched. It was intimate. It was innocent. And he created people in his image. You, you and I, we all have a body. If you don't have a body, then something's wrong. You have a soul. You have a spirit. And he created us in his image. You know, and in God's image, he's, he's, he is three persons in one. He is one God, one God, creator of all things. But he's revealed himself in three persons. He's revealed himself through Jesus Christ. He's revealed himself through the Father. Jesus introduced the Father to us. He's revealed himself through the Holy Spirit. He is one God, but three persons. And then you and I are one person. But there's parts to us that form that one person. Body, mind, or soul, and spirit. And, and in the garden, when God created Adam and Eve, everything was great. It was, it was perfect. It was untouched. It was innocent. It was pure until they chose to diso disobey God, until they chose to, to do what, what displeased the Creator. And what was on earth, that is Adam and Eve, that their spirit was, was actually heavenly. When God breathed into Adam, it was a breath from heaven. His spirit was in Adam. And but the, but the sin that they chose to do separated them from God, separated them from heaven. Their spirits were now not heavenly. They weren't holy spirits. They were earthly spirits. And sadly, your body and my body are actually earthly bodies. Apart from God, we are earthly. We're made from dust and we go back to dust. But the promise that God gave through Jesus Christ is that he would pour out his spirit. In fact, he gave this promise many, many, many years before that. 
many, many years before Acts chapter 2 or John 14 and 16. God promised many, many years ago. Because God knew that we needed to change. We needed to change from the inside out. Now, sadly, church, even me and, and our church, sometimes we can get that wrong. Sometimes we, we understand that God wants to change a person from the inside out. In other words, give, him, give them his spirit to be in them, to change them from the inside out, change their thoughts, change their actions, change their behavior, change their tendencies, their desires. That's what God wants to do, to bring us back to the Garden of Eden, that, that pure relationship. But without His Holy Spirit in us, we're unable to do that. Jesus said these words in Matthew's Gospel, uh, in chapter 28, verse 16. Uh, sorry, he, didn't, he said these words. He said in verse 19, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You know, sometimes the church, the institution, the organization, the religious place you go, sometimes it's been guilty of turning that, what's called the Great Commission, backwards. You know, get them to church, teach them good doctrine, Invite them then to a social gathering, like Bible study, for example. But here Jesus says in verse 19, he says, go and make disciples. That's the first thing. Make disciples of who? All nations. All people groups. Then the, first, then the next thing is baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We sometimes get that the other way around. We sometimes say, instead of Go, make disciples, baptize, and then teach them to obey my, com my command. We, we tend to, to do it the other way around as Christians. Sometimes we, we do first, they need to understand all the doctrine. You know, if someone comes to our church, first they need to understand all the doctrine and get their life straightened out before we can then test them about what they know by doing a baptism class. And then we let them get baptized. We let them get baptized. And then we start discipling them to follow Jesus. Now, if that sounds normal to you, if that procedure sounds normal to you, I want you to encourage, I encourage you to read Jesus' words again. He gave a command, a commission to his disciples, baptized. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Make disciples first. Make disciples first. Often we, we get them all doctrinally correct and then make disciples. That's not how you make We get it around the wrong way. We, we try and change a person from the, in, from the outside in. We try and change their behavior, their doctrine, their, their way of thinking. And, and help them, you know, give them six steps to a better Christian life or uh, get them to join different classes. And they're all good in themselves, but they will never change a person. They will never change a person because what's lacking is a spirit of holiness on the inside. And no amount of religious activity
can make your spirit any holier than when Jesus' Holy Spirit comes into you. Do you see the difference? Jesus said, baptize them and then teach them to obey. Philippians 1 verse 6 states, He who began a good work in you, he being God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That day is when he comes back again. It's, it's God who started the work and it's God who's going to complete the work and if it's not him doing any, any of those two things, then all of us are wasting our time. If God doesn't begin the work, you're wasting your time and energy. It's always been God's desire to fill all people with his Holy Spirit. It's not just for an, a, a select few. It's not just for the holy ones that know more about the Bible. God wants to fill each and every person with his Holy Spirit. It's always been his desire. I want you to turn with me, if you can, to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. And we've got Moses. And Moses is filled with the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, in the Old Testament, generally, it's only been one person who has been filled or anointed with the Holy Spirit of God in order to complete a task or to declare a message or, or something important. And, and, and kings were also anointed as well and filled with the Holy Spirit to lead. But here is Moses, the great leader from, from the Old Testament. And in verse 24, uh, is, uh, God, God spoke to Moses and, and told him to do something. And so here we are in verse 24, Numbers 11. So Moses went out and reported the Lord's words to the people. This is what he did. He gathered the 70 elders and stationed them around the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But this never happened again. Two men, Eldad and Medad, had stayed behind in the camp. They hadn't bothered to get out of bed and go to the meeting, in other words. They were, they were listed among the elders, but they had not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet, the Spirit rested upon them as well. So they prophesied there in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Hey, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, was there, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth. He protested. He said, Moses, my master, make them stop. But Moses replied to Joshua, he says, are you jealous for my sake? In other words, are you, are you jealous that they get the Holy Spirit as well? Not just me. And then Moses says these words, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. It's God's desire to fill people with his Holy Spirit. Not so that they could do amazing things, but so that they could be set apart for his work and, and, and set apart for entering into heaven. You know, the, the New Testament talks about the Holy Spirit being a down payment, a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. Our inheritance is what Jesus Christ won for us on the cross. 
And through the empty grave, Jesus Christ paid the price so that you and I can have the inheritance of life everlasting in Jesus. Also, if you can, turn with me to Joel. Joel is a prophet in Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28 and 29 is um, uh, often quoted in the um, uh, Pentecost Sunday. And in fact, Peter, when he uh, delivers his message in uh, Acts chapter 2, he quotes this passage in, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Then after doing all those things, this is God speaking, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. You know, this is God's heart for people. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter what color skin you have. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's God's desire, and it always has been, to fill every person with his Holy Spirit. If we're not filled with his Holy Spirit, we are wasting our time. We need his Holy Spirit. Because our spirits are unable to live the life that God requires us to live. Our spirits are unable to enter heaven, which is where God wants to be with us forever. That's why Jesus came. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He did miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're told in Romans that he was even raised from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did was in the power of the Holy Spirit. When he was baptized by John the Baptist, we see that the, the Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove, filling him for ministry, anointing him for the work that God called him to do. And everything Jesus did and everything he said was exactly what he heard the Father tell him to, to say and to do. And Jesus even though he was holy, even though he was perfect, he chose to become sin for you and for me so that we can be right with God and so that he could then send the Holy Spirit upon all people who believe. Not one, not 12, not 70, but all. We're told in Acts chapter 2 that there were thousands of people that believe. And as soon as a person believes that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and, it's, and that Jesus Christ died for their sin on the cross and was raised again for them, that person receives the Holy Spirit. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's always been God's desire to fill people with His Holy Spirit. I want you to turn then now to Ezekiel. Our passage for tonight, our passage, the Valley of Dry Bones. And what we see here is not a vision, it's, it's a place. God takes Ezekiel to. He takes him in the spirit to a valley. Now a valley is pretty much the lowest place you can get geographically. There's nothing quite lower than a valley apart from the bottom of the ocean. 
but a valley is is synonymous with uh, a low point. And here he takes Ezekiel to a valley, which is not only just a low point, but it's full of bones. And it's not only full of bones, it's full of bones that are very dry. This, this valley has, at one stage, had people in it, is the picture here. It's, it's had people in it. Whether they were in a war, we don't know. But they were there. And over time, somehow these people had died. And their bodies decomposed, and slowly, and then it was just bones, but then it was just dry bones. And all there was was just dry bones. In other words, there is no hope. There is no hope. But, but Ezekiel was so filled with the Spirit of God and so in touch with God's kingdom values that when God said to Ezekiel, can these bones come alive? He says in verse, uh, in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Ezekiel, if he was answering with his mind, with his logic, with his brain, with his head, he would be saying, no. But they're bones. They, they, there's no coming back. They've had a chance and there's no coming back. But Ezekiel doesn't answer that way because he's experienced God in such a way that he knows that God is trying to get him to understand a kingdom principle that he can't understand any other way. He says to God, I have no idea, but you know. He says, O sovereign Lord. In other words, you're the one. You're, the, you're above everything. You alone know the answer to that. And God does know the answer to that. But he involves Ezekiel in the process of bringing the answer. The valley of dry bones eventually became a vast army. But before that ever happened, it was just dry bones. I wonder what's your valley? Are you in a valley? Anyone in a valley right now? It's okay. It's okay. Because I've been in valleys. I probably could see some valleys from where I'm standing now that I've been in just recently. They're not that far back in my past. They're the low points. You can't do anything about it. It's just, it's just there. And sometimes in our valleys, in our low points, in our disappointing times, there are bones. And bones in and of themselves, like Ezekiel's bones that he saw, they didn't do anything. You know, they didn't say anything. But what they did speak, or what they could speak, is hopelessness. The bones could speak Words to Ezekiel saying, this is hopeless. There's no coming out of this. We've been here a long time. It's dry. There's no life in us. What are your bones? What's your driest place? What's your lowest place? What's your driest place? The valley of dry bones became a vast army. But do you notice how that happened? Let's have a look. The first thing is God spoke. God spoke. Verse 4, in response to Ezekiel 
saying to God, I don't know, you know. Verse 4, that then he said to me, God spoke, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So first of all, God speaks, right? God speaks to Ezekiel. doesn't speak to the valley. He doesn't speak to the bones. He speaks to Ezekiel and he involves Ezekiel in the process of bringing these dry bones back to life. He tells Ezekiel what to say. You know, you and I have promises of God in, your, in our Bibles. What God has declared as true. God has declared as true. And you and I can stand on those promises. The very fact that Jesus Christ is Lord is one promise that we can stand on. When we're facing times in life when we're afraid or when it feels like there's evil around us, we declare, Jesus, you are the Lord. There is no name under heaven greater than yours. We can stand on what God has already said. But first of all, God spoke. God speaks first. He commanded Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. So, Ezekiel spoke. Ezekiel needed to declare the word that God had already spoken to him. And the bones became bodies. Lifeless lumps of flesh. All over the valley. But there was no breath in there. That's gross. I'm a, I'm a concrete thinker, and just to think that God told Ezekiel to say these things, and as he was prophesying, Ezekiel heard the rattling of the bones, and then he saw like sinews and muscles coming on these bones. That's just gross. And then eventually, he covered these bodies with skin. Now, they were still on the ground. They were still lifeless. They were still lifeless. There was no breath in the bones, in the body. We speak to the bones sometimes. You know, I don't know if you've ever, if you've got bones in your life or a valley that you're in, sometimes we can focus too much on the valley and too much on the bones. And we can give them glory. We can, we can, we can ask questions about how, how the bones came about. How did you... How did this situation come about in your life? And we, and we try and trace steps back to a particular point where, you know, the bones might have come into our life or the valley was there. It, the point is, we, we spend too much time, I believe, speaking about the bones, speaking about the valley. I'm not going to name any bones or any valleys tonight just for that very reason. Nothing is going to happen if we speak to the bones. Nothing is going to happen until what? Well, this is what happened. In verse 9, God then says to Ezekiel, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe 
into these dead bodies so they may live again. Now we don't see that in, we don't see something really important here when we read it in English. But what, what we do see, if you are Hebrew tonight, you understand what's going on. The word breath and spirit and wind are the same word. You know, sometimes we can speak so many times to our bones and our valleys, but God wants us to speak to the spirit. We, he wants us to invite God into the situation. He wants us to say, hey, God, God, come and breathe life into this valley. Come and breathe life into these bones. You know, it's not sometimes we sort of say to God, take the bones away, take the valley away. But that's not what God does. God, God uses all things. He works in all things for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I've got a lot of bones in my life, but God has breathed into those bones. And I'm able to minister to people that I never was able to minister to because I was in that valley, because I had those dry bones. I didn't ask God to, well, I did ask God to take him away, but God didn't want to take him away. He wanted to breathe on them. He wanted to use those situations. He wanted to use those weaknesses, those failures, those disappointments. He wanted to use that as part of his work in me. And that's exactly what he wants to do in you as well. Your history is something that God loves to use. And if we just invite him into the situation, he's able to breathe life into that. He's able to speak life into that. Before the sun and the moon and the stars appeared, they needed to be told. Before any unclean spirit came out of anyone in the Bible, it needed to be told. Before the wind and the waves were stilled by Jesus, it, they needed to be told. Before the widow of Nain's son was raised back to life again, he needed to be told. Before Lazarus could come out of the grave and live, he needed to be told. But even those examples, even though those examples are amazing, they are only temporary examples. The sun, the moon, the stars, wow, but they will disappear one day. The unclean spirit that came out of people, that's fine, but there's still unclean spirits around. The wind and the waves were stilled that day. But I guarantee you there were more storms to come. The widow from Nain, her son that was raised off the stretcher, he came back to life. But I guarantee you that he died again when he, when he was older. Same with Lazarus. God wants to do something much more amazing in you and I that goes far beyond temporary. Oh, I want to see miracles. I want to see people. I want to be, see people set like healed in our community. I want to see God move. But what God wants to see is eternal life breathed into human beings. That is what a kingdom perspective sees in every single human. God, His desire is to fill them with His Holy Spirit. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all people to come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. The Valley of Dry Bones had not yet become a vast army until 
God spoke again. Before they became a vast army, do you notice what needed to happen? He commanded Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. So, Ezekiel spoke. Ezekiel needed to declare the word that God had already spoken to him. And the bones that had become lifeless bodies now came to life and stood on their feet. A vast army. A great army. He is the living God. Our God is a living God. He is alive. And he's a transforming God. He is able to make life from dry bones. Dry bones left on the ground in a valley that no one else was at. God is able to take dry bones from a valley and turn them into life. If God can do that, he can do what you need him to do in your valley with your dry bones. But we need to stop talking to the bones, stop talking to the valley. That's good, right? But we need to speak to the breath, speak to the spirit and invite him into the situation. He is able to transform any mess and make it a message. He is able to transform any test and turn it into a testimony. He can take any trial and make it a triumph. Any victim can become a victor. Any repentant sinner can become a saint. You don't have to be some kind of venerated good person. God, his desire, it's God's desire to put his Holy Spirit in each and every person. Any zero can be a hero because he speaks. Now, you can prophesy to the bones in your life all you like, but until you call God's breath into the mix, nothing is going to change. Speak it out. Say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I mean, as Wesleyans, we should be all about this. We should be all about transformation by the Holy Spirit from the inside out. And that involves not just us as people, but the situations that we find ourselves in. We invite God into the mix. We say, Holy Spirit, come. Look at these bones. You alone know the answer. I want to take it to um, something that Jesus said in, in um, John's Gospel. And uh, I don't see it in any other Gospels. But uh, I think it's fairly relevant for today's message is that you know, God wants to use us to speak, right? And so in, in uh, John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus is at a uh, feast. And on the last day of the feast, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Interesting that this is the, this is the Feast of Tabernacles that Jesus goes to. And a tabernacle is a tent 
where God's presence resides. And here is Jesus, God's presence, residing in a person, declaring what can happen in another person. In fact, he says, everyone who believes. Come to me, he says, and drink. We drink a cup and out of us flows rivers. That does not make sense to my mathematical mind. That doesn't make sense. We drink a cup and out of us flows rivers. In other words, what God gives you of his Holy Spirit is enough to feed a community. God can actually use you. And in fact, not only just use you, but use the situations that you've been through, the valleys that you've been through, the dry bones that you've experienced. Maybe you're looking at dry bones tonight. Check out your lowest point. Check it out tonight, whatever it is, and invite, invite the Holy Spirit to show you his perspective. Now, he might not show you a clear answer, but you can definitely guarantee that he will use the dry bones and the valley to create in you something that he can't create in somebody else to bless a community. Where are, the, where are the dry places in your life? Come to the Lord Jesus and drink. Drink from him. Believe. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Continually be filled. Refresh your heart. Refresh my heart, Lord. Renew my mind, Lord. Be being filled. The reference there is being drunk on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> In other words, your words, your actions, your balance, the way you walk, your thinking, it'll all be affected if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life is the exact manifestation of who he is. While this, while we, uh, a cup becomes a river. Maybe it's time, maybe it's time for us tonight just to stop and allow the Holy Spirit to work. Not, not just here in our home, but, but also in your home, in your heart, in your dry places, in your valleys. We're going to sing that last song again, uh, God of Revival. He's a God who revives. He revives. He takes what looks dead. And he breathes life into it, bringing it back to life as a vast army, something stronger than it ever has been before. 